Guys, I want to thank you for listening to this uh, podcast episode with Pete Similero with conserveandprotectaz.org. I want to encourage you guys to send them any questions or comments to info at conserveandprotectaz.org. I also wanted to read a letter uh, this morning. Uh, Conserve and Protect Arizona got a letter and it's a response to someone that wrote in that had some comments. And I thought this letter, uh, the response, uh, would be uh, something that gets some information and some facts out there. So I'm going to go ahead and read this letter, uh, and uh, hopefully it will help explain some stuff. The other thing I wanted to point out is uh, I, I have yet to make an opinion uh, either way on any of this. Uh, what I'm trying to do with this podcast is just inform the public and get the word out there as quickly as possible, get as much information out there so that everybody as sportsmen uh, can hear everything and then try and base uh, decisions and base uh, opinions on uh, information and facts. I think it's so easy to uh, you know, make a decision without hearing uh, all of the information. And um, so I'm just trying to fact gather and I will continue to do that as stuff pops up. Uh, this letter uh, is from uh, Jason and he says, I don't feel like getting into too many details at this time but I'm against the tag grab in any form, and I will fight it just as hard as I did last time. I knew it would pop up again, and I'm ready to start fighting against it. You guys are unbelievable. This is Conserve and Protect's response. Jason and all other sports uh, men and women. Uh, Jason, since you were first... Uh, since you were the first to react so strongly to what was discussed on Jay Scott's podcast last night, I thought I would respond to you. But I also want as many possible of the Arizona sportsmen and women to hear it as well. Please spread the word. Conserve and Protect Arizona, C-A-P-A-Z, has just prevented the Humane Society of the United States, HSUS, from stopping all mountain lion and bobcat hunting in Arizona. That immediate threat is gone, but they will come back. Only time will tell and shame on us if we are not prepared to defend ourselves in the future. Who is Conserve and Protect Arizona? It was formed by a small group of sportsmen with financial help from some of the state's most well-known sportsmen conservation organizations, the Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society, Arizona Elk Society, Arizona Deer Association, Arizona Antelope Foundation, Yuma Valley Rod and Gun Club, Arizona Bowhunters Association, and the Arizona Chapter of the National Wild Turkey Federation, and some houndsmen and houndsmen and women all made contributions. The 35 member organizations, including those listed earlier of Arizona Sportsmen for Wildlife Conservation, also signed on in support of CAPAZ. For the past year, Conserve and Protect Arizona has been working to deny HSUS signature gathers from collecting the 151,000 plus or minus signatures they needed to qualify their initiative. We jumped in and did this because, by law, the Arizona Game and Fish cannot defend themselves. 
once an initiative is filed, they are precluded from commenting and spending any department funds to defeat it. We did it quietly, behind the scenes, and without any media coverage. They didn't know what we were doing and didn't even know about us until it was too late. On March 31st, after six months after six months of effort and with only a small number of signatures collected, HSUS suspended their campaign. This is the first time in 25 years and 81 ballot measures that HSUS has pulled out of a campaign. Thanks to all of those who supported the Conserve and Protect Arizona effort or made contributions, this is an important victory we all can share. With the history behind us, let's look at where we are now. Conserve and Protect AZ had to run a quiet underground campaign because we did not have three to five million dollars necessary to run a traditional campaign to educate voters. Our plan worked once, but now with HSUS aware of our effort, they are educated. We are back to trying to find a way to defend ourselves. It will take the education of the voting public and millions of dollars to make this happen in order to effectively defend us against another HSUS effort. How do we raise money? Do you have a plan? Do you have donors willing to write big checks? Can we rely on you to take this on and defend hunting and professional wildlife management of the Arizona Game and Fish Department and Commission? Where were you on the HSUS issue we just brought to end? These are the questions we had to answer at Conserve and Protect AZ. Our collective work turned the issue in our favor and sent HSUS packing. Now we are focused on going forward and defending wildlife, the Arizona Game and Fish Department, the Arizona Game and Fish Commission, and all Arizona sports men and women. Listen to what we have to say and give us a fair chance to make our case. What happened in 2012 is far different than what Conserve and Protect Arizona is doing today. All of the organizations listed earlier were opposed to that effort. Today, we are working with them and soliciting their input on this issue. Let me make one thing very clear. None of these organizations have been asked to support any proposal for special tag program. They are participating in our effort to take this to sportsmen and women and discuss a concept of raising funds for public education through the sale of a limited number of special tags. Through a collaborative effort with all stakeholders, we want to try and establish a program which educates the people of Arizona about the importance of wildlife management, the support of hunters and anglers, and how it's important to wildlife and wildlife management and wildlife habitat. The facts from Conserve and Protect Arizona. Conserve and Protect Arizona will not get a dime of this money. Meetings started last week to discuss this concept and more will continue in the future. At this time, no legislation is written supporting this concept. This effort is being discussed with the Arizona Game and Fish Department and Commission. If this program is established, the Arizona Game and Fish Department will administer it, not an outside organization. 
Our suggestion is that manage is that a managing committee similar to the Habitat Partnership Committee be established to administer it. The special commissioner's tags that support the Habitat Partnership process will not be used for education. Only the new tags authorized under the program will be used for education. We are not advocating for any particular number of tags. This would be determined in the future development of the program. All sportsmen and women together are small in number when compared to the entire population. We cannot afford to lose anyone in our effort to remain viable in our pursuit of the outdoors. Join with us to ensure we have a strong voice in determining that future. In closing, let me assure, assure you we want your constructive comments and concerns. We are trying to involve as many people as possible so that the product we produce can be, uh, can be supported by the great majority of sportsmen and women. Conserve and protect Arizona Board. Pete Similero, President. Rich Williams, Vice President. Tracy Unmock, Secretary. Charlie Kelly, Treasurer. Eddie Corona, Director. Jim Unmock, Director. John Colazar, Director. Brad Remfrey, Director. P.S. We would not have put this out on Jay's podcast if we were trying to keep it from you. Please contact us at info at conserve and protectaz.org. Welcome to the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Today I have Pete Similero on the phone. And I went to a meeting last night that the public was invited to uh, down in West Phoenix uh, at the Cabela's. Uh, Pete is with Conserve and Protect uh, Arizona.org. And Pete, I've got a lot of questions for you from our meeting last night. And I really appreciate you coming on and uh, wanting to spend some time answering some questions. I appreciate that. Glad to do it, Jay. As you know, this is an extremely important issue, and uh, this is one of the ways that we can get word out to as many sportsmen and women as possible. So I welcome the opportunity to talk to you and answer questions. For sure. Um, I've kind of been hearing from sportsmen today and gathering questions that they have and what have you. I've got a handful of questions my, on my own. The first thing I would say is, um, Pete, I want to establish a little bit of a timeline for uh, the amount of uh, work that you've done as a volunteer for sportsmen, in, in your opinion, uh, or from, you, from your standpoint, how many years have you been working with different organizations and groups uh, for sportsmen? Uh, Jay, you know, my memory is being taxed here. I've got to go back to 1979. And uh, when I first became involved in it uh, with an organization, it was the Sheep Society, and that was 1982. And then from then on, okay. it's just been different ones. So it's safe to say that 30-plus years, probably pushing 40 years, that you've been involved with sp different sportsmen's issues and quite honestly been at the forefront of a lot of these issues that sportsmen either know about or don't even know about, but you've been in the trenches, so to speak, from, from a long time ago. Uh, safe to say that's true, yes. Okay, and Pete, I remember um, years back, I don't know if it was 2010, 11, or 12, but there was years back when there was a, um, 
group that came out and had a similar proposal wanting to do auction and raffle tags. And I remember being at a meeting um, with seems like a, 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 you know, a big group of people, and I remember hearing you personally being against, against it. And I think I remember you even saying, this will not work. We can't do this without the sportsmen. We have to. You, you have to give them notice, and correct me if I'm saying anything that I, I, I don't remember correctly, but I remember you adamantly saying this wasn't going to work, this wasn't the way to do it. Did I remember that correctly? Yes, that's right. Um, it was bittersweet in as much as the, what they were trying to do was a concept. It's similar to what we're talking about today. Uh, there are some great differences. But it was, it's very much needed. And that was actually in 2012. And the way that it was constructed um, brought questions. And more importantly, the way that they did it by going directly to the legislature and not involving the sportsmen in the process to develop it, in my opinion, it condemned it uh, to an early grave. Because um, when that information came out, the perception was that they were, you know, they didn't care about sportsmen and sportsmen's issues. They wanted this for their own organization, etc. And um, the people that brought it, like I say, were very well intended. There are people that have been contributing to uh, sportsmen causes in Arizona for decades. But the way in which they did it was completely wrong. And uh, by bypassing sportsmen uh, and not working in collaboration with them, it just it, you know it created so much doubt and ill will. And uh, well, you were there; you heard it all. And and uh, over the next month or so, uh, until they finally pulled it, uh, it was an area of extreme contention, and uh, it was all unnecessary, in my opinion. Pete, you can understand uh, the the public sportsman hearing about this. Uh, feeling like it's the same old group, the same old guys. We've seen some comments today saying, you know, this, the tag grabbers are back, you know, the SFW guys are back. Um, I was wondering if you could set the record straight as far as showing or telling me how the differences between what conserve and protect, what you're proposing, and what they were proposing back in 2012. Sure. Um, Conserve and Protect Arizona has just come off of uh, its campaign against the Humane Society of the United States, in which we were successful in making them retreat uh, from their proposed initiative to ban mountain lion and bobcat hunting. Uh, it's the first time it's ever happened, Jay. It's significant because uh, we worked behind the scenes, under the radar. That was our entire campaign, because we did not have the dollars necessary to uh, take them head on in the campaign and the vote with the voting public. So we had to find a way to make sure they did not qualify this. And uh, through some expertise from um, Commissioner uh, Kurt Davis and some of his contacts, uh, we were able to keep them from getting the signatures necessary. Uh, this was strategic and very, very uh, cost-effective way for us to attack this. And it was the only option we had. And that set the stage for now why we're going forward with, uh, with this next piece 
this was a one-time win. In other words, we sent them packing right now, but the Humane Society, with the number of uh, uh, folks they have on staff, the millions and millions of dollars they have, it's reasonable to assume they will be back in some fashion. And if we as sportsmen are not prepared, we're going to lose. The department is going to lose. Uh, it's a situation where you know the Arizona Game and Fish Department cannot defend itself by law. They are precluded from spending any of their resources or even making comments on an initiative once it's filed. So their hands are tied. And while the commission can do that, they can make comment. They don't have the respect, quite frankly, as the wildlife professionals do. And they can use, again, no resources of the agency. So it makes it very difficult. The, the department can't fight these. So that's why we got involved. That's why we were actually formed. And that's what we're doing now going forward. This going forward concept involves some fundraising. One of the things that is really evident, we work behind the eight ball when it comes to not having funds dedicated to be proactive, dedicated to be in a marketing plan to basically tell the voting public what it is we do, how we contribute to wildlife, how the department works with us. Meaning sportsmen? Meaning sportsmen? Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah, okay. Meaning sportsmen. Okay. Um, how we are the, the key component with them. We pr provide over 60% of their budget in Arizona. That's a lot of money. It's obviously 60 plus million dollars. And without those kind of contributions, the department cannot function like it does. But beyond that, the interest that we bring in, the, in, the, in everything from habitat development and um, water development, uh, all of the other pieces that we provide, hunter recruitment and retention, those things simply are not going to happen without us being involved. So sportsmen are key to making the department function. When the department functions well, wildlife thrives. And our whole point in this is to make that connection between wildlife, sportsmen, and the programs that support wildlife and wildlife habitat. So what we're trying to do is raise money on the backs of sportsmen again. That's what it's going to be. That's what it always is uh, by creating some special tags, a small number. And I don't have a number to tell you. We're not that far down this road. There are other states that have similar programs and they raise millions of dollars. That's what we're trying to do. And they do it with a handful of tags. Uh, so it's possible to put this together. What we're soliciting right now is input from sportsmen, from the commission, the department, and others that have these programs in place to try to come up with something that is reachable for us, something that we can take forward. And so it's a very complicated, very long-term process here trying to get this done. And in reality, we're looking at a, a couple of years. 2018, we sent the Humane Society packing. There's nothing to say they won't be back in two years in 2020 with something else or the very same thing. And this time, here with more money and more interest, and, and if we're not prepared, again, we lose. So that's what we're in the, just in the infancy of right now is making a uh, discussion about what we can do to put a program in place that will raise some money through the sale of some special tags to educate the public 
about what it is the department, hunters, anglers, sportsmen in general do to support their work and how this works very well to make sure that wildlife and wildlife habitat uh, thrives, plain and simple. Okay, so let me ask you a couple questions. So the, the group that tried to do it in 2012 is different in how you just said, but there's also similarities and they were trying to get raffle tags and auction tags. Are you guys working with the commission and with the game and fish department, but I also hear you on one hand, there has to be some bit of separation as well. Can you talk a little bit about how you work hand in hand, but you also have to have separation and why that separation is necessary? Well, the department's mission is, of course, is wildlife. It's not in some of the other areas. Um, the focus that we, be, we can bring and partner with them on is working with the sportsmen to get, get, garner support for building programs that they can then administer and go forward. And that's what we're advocating. We ourselves do not want any of this money that we're talking about. Conserve and Protect Arizona is never going to touch a dime of this. It's not for us. We're a strictly volunteer sportsman organization. The money will all go to the agency. They will then engage, and what we're advocating is that a committee be formed, very similar to the Habitat Partnership Committee that's in existence now and has been for the last couple of decades, that uses the special tag money for habitat projects. Well, we want to see these new tags where the money is dedicated to an education program and a similar committee that's made up of commission, the department, and sportsmen decide how that money should be spent. Once that's done, you engage professional marketing and advertising people to develop a campaign to get the message out to the voting public so that they recognize this relationship between the department and sportsmen and how important it is to wildlife. So when the HSUS shows up on our doorstep and begins to say they know nothing, we need to stop this, we need to protect it, etc., there's already an understanding within the public that it is important for the department to professionally manage and that they are supported strongly by the uh, sportsman's community. So in other words, when I heard the um, ads and saw some of the stuff that the HSUS were saying, they were talking about jaguars and ocelots and they were doing, you know, touchy-feely type stuff. When jaguars, ocelots, those are already banned, you can't hunt them anyway. What you're saying is conserve and protect, you're wanting to raise money. Uh, the conserve and protect will not actually have, they won't touch. It will be held by the agency, but it will be money that will be able to educate the public so that when HSUS comes up with that line of baloney and starts educating the public themselves, that, that the game and fish then can have a coffer of money, so to speak, to go ahead and combat that uh, tit for tat, if you will, and try and uh, win over the middle ground public that has no idea, that's not a sportsman. You're talking about the people in the middle. And right now what you're saying is that they don't have any money to do that. And, what, and that's one thing. The other thing is what I heard you say is you worked behind the scenes, conserve and protect. 
there's some people out there saying, well, did Conserve and Protect do anything to win this? How come we didn't see Conserve and Protect? How would you answer that question? Not only did Conserve and Protect win this, but they did it with a strategy that was unconventional. And uh, you might say we were a little desperate not having the 3 to $5 million it was going to take to take on uh, a traditional campaign. But we were able to stop them in all ways in gathering the signatures they needed. They took for granted that they would be able to get people in here, professionals, to gather their signatures. At every turn, we made sure that didn't happen. That was our task, to make sure that they couldn't get it done. We knew they couldn't get it done with volunteers. They needed to have over 151,000 valid signatures, and they had a a handful of signatures in comparison to the number they needed. Um, so you know, that's I want to go back just for a second. I want to go back and and you you guys conserve and protect one, and we and you know you guys won this battle. We as sportsmen won this battle. Conserve and protect won it for the sportsmen. So when I say we, I mean the sportsmen. We won this fight. I believe the battle is still being fought. What you're saying, Pete. With 30, 40 years of experience, are you telling me that you're worried about H HSUS or some other organization coming back at another period of time and there's not funds there to properly educate and quote unquote like fight fire with fire by education because we know that HSUS and these other groups miseducate, I don't even know if that's a word, but they, they, they give misinformation they and, and, and they lie. What you're saying is your whole goal is to raise money so that when, when they come back and, and one question would be, do you have any is there any shadow of a doubt that they're coming back, either them or someone else? And and are you are you telling me that you're saying that Jay I'm relatively confident that them or someone else is coming back and we need money and if we don't have it, we're a dead duck. Well, there's no question they're coming back. The question is when. I can't say it'll be in two years, four years, who knows, or what the issue will be. But in the world we live in today, with, with organizations like this that are so successful at what they do and the fraudulent practices that they, they have, they will be back. There's no question. And Arizona being an initiative state, that's where it makes it easy for them to come in here and normally gather signatures, qualify it for the ballot, and then we're stuck with it. So what we want to do... That, explain that, Pete. Um, a lot of people might not understand what that means and, and how it's compared to other states a lot easier to get something as an initiative. Well. The initiative process is only exist, I believe it's in 23 states. And I may be wrong on that number. I'm very close, I know. But I believe it's 23 states. Uh, other states don't even have this provision. But this is where a citizens group can go. They file an initiative with, this, in this case, in Arizona, it's with the Secretary of State. The Secretary of State tells them in order to qualify for the upcoming election, they have to get so many signatures. And that's always a percentage of the, of the last or the previous general election. And then in this case, like I say, it was a little over 151,000. 
valid signatures. Now, those are voters. Those are people that are registered to vote. If they do get those signatures and it's reviewed by the Secretary of State and they say, yes, this is valid, it automatically goes on the ballot. And so that's the process that they have here in Arizona. Um, it's, it's very hard to combat something like that unless you have lots of money. People don't realize that Arizona is the second most urbanized state in the United States. It's all because of the metropolitan Phoenix area. You know, we've got a little over 7 million people in this state. Over five of the, a million of those people are right here, and it's growing. We've, we're adding 75,000 a year. Maricopa County is the largest uh, growing or the fastest growing county in the country. So we are an urban state, even though you, you may not think that. And when it comes to uh, spending money, particularly in advertising campaigns with the media, we are the third highest uh, in, in as far as cost for media. Uh, New York, Los Angeles, and Phoenix, Arizona is the way that that comes down. So it's incredibly costly here. And what, how are we going to get the millions of dollars necessary to fight a campaign against them when they have literally hundreds of millions of dollars? What we have to do is raise some money, as we're trying to do with this special tax, begin a proactive process. And that would start immediately. As soon as the dollars came in, we wouldn't wait for them to come back. What we would do was in, would engage uh, advertising and marketing professionals to develop an a, uh, outreach program, uh, social media program, hard media program, TV, radio, billboards, those kind of things, whatever was recommended, and then go forward starting as soon as we had the money. So that when they came, if it's two years, We've already had a process in place that's been telling that story to the voters. That's going to make it much more difficult for them to gain acceptance. It's going to make it much less costly for us because we're not going to have to start from square one in this advertising campaign. We will have already been doing it. It will be an ongoing effort so that we can tell the story of wildlife management in the state, how good things are happening for wildlife, and it's because of the Arizona Game and Fish Department and its working relationship with the sportsmen of Arizona. That's the key to this whole thing, being proactive instead of just defending things as we often do. Keith, there's some out there that say that, uh, you know, the, in 2012 it was done very quickly. It was done without sportsman support. Uh, from what I'm hearing from you is that can't be any further from the truth with what you're trying to do. You want to make this completely public, which is why uh, you absolutely gave me permission last night to put the, the, you know, the meeting on the podcast as well as tonight at the Embassy Suites uh, at 5001 uh, Scottsdale Road at 7 p.m. The Desert Bighorn Sheep Society is having a meeting. I mean, people can go to these meetings. I, I assume you guys are going to post other meetings. Uh, you've encouraged me to get the word out there to get sportsmen's input. Um, I think one of the challenges that people have is um, they're worried about, okay, if we generate this money, who's going to be in control of this money? Is there going to be two or three guys? And you know, are they going to be flying around in private jets? I'm, I think people want transparency with that money. So is it going to, 
you know, on one hand, I can see how having transparency is awesome, but if we're so transparent, is that a bad thing when the enemy, so to speak, the HSUS and some of these other organizations know exactly how much money we have? Or is your idea to make you know, the funds that are held by the agency, is that going to be uh, something that can be completely transparent? Talk a little bit about that. Okay, before I get into that, which I'd be glad to do, let me just kind of tweak one thing you said, and that's about the, sure. the Sheep Society meeting tonight. Uh, we've arranged, we're going to meet with the Sheep Society at 6 p.m., an hour before their board meeting. We've give, they've given us an hour of their time to talk about this. It's, it won't be discussed during their regular board meeting. They'll just do their regular board business. But we're going there to, to meet with them, just like we did with the Antelope Foundation on Monday night. Uh, and you know, it's, it's one of these things that uh, we want to reach all the organizations as well as individuals. So. The meeting tonight at six with the with the Sheep Society is to bring them on board as and answer questions. We actually have a couple members of the Sheep Society that are on the Conserve and Protect board, so they have been keeping them kind of up to speed as we go forward. Now we want to solicit some specific uh, uh, information from them and get some more questions answered for them. Um, going back on the transparency issue. It's absolutely essential that this be transparent. Um, since the, the, the department will receive all of the funds, it will be a matter of public record anyway. We're not going to hide anything from the Humane Society or any other animal rights groups. We want them to know that we're being proactive. Will conserve and protect go out and raise additional funds beyond this to fight them? Absolutely just like we did on this issue with the, the mountain lions and bobcats, yes. Uh, but we want them to know that there's an active program here, a cooperation between the commission and sportsmen, and we are going to stop them at all costs from coming in here and changing the way we manage wildlife in Arizona. Uh, we think we can do it in this manner. We think we can set the stage uh, uh, to be successful at a, at a much lower cost than it would be otherwise if we do this work in advance of, of their challenges. Uh, so it's, it's, it's essential that we do something to be proactive and not wait until they challenge us, because then, it's, then you're in a panic. Then you have to raise the millions necessary. Then you have to take on in a short time the effort to try to get the voters educated to a point they will say no to them. And we don't want to put that all uh, in one basket and, and fail at it. We want to begin to, a long-term education process that's ongoing so that people recognize as they come in and out of Arizona or they turn on their TV or whatever it might be, there's a message. And you hit them with enough frequency, you're going to be successful. There's going to be an understanding. And so again, our whole... Um, effort here is to be proactive in stopping these people and deter them from coming to Arizona in the first place. But transparency, it's all public record. It's all out front. None of it's coming to conserve and protect Arizona. It'll all be handled through the department commission. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about the tags themselves. And I, I think there's some people that are nervous that, you know, there's been said 100, there's been said 150, there's been said 200. I think you've been clear since I've heard you last night and even today 
you don't even know the exact number of tags. We're not even to the point where we're spelling out exact number of tags. But from what, from what I heard last night, the majority of those tags will be raffle type tags that are anywhere from say $5 to $10 type, you know, just throwing out a low dollar amount, where anybody can buy raffle tickets uh, for those. And then there will be also a, a small amount of auction tags as well. Would you, would you agree that the raffle tag amount is going to be the majority of the tags and then there will be a small amount of auction tags as well? Uh, no question. The raffle tags will be the great majority of the tags. Um, you know, we, we give out, or the Arizona Game and Fish Department has over 100,000 tags that are permitted each year that you can apply for. 100, and it's like 15 to 20,000 tags total right now, and that changes, of course, depending on population estimates and everything. Uh, what we're looking at here, and even if you said um, 150 or 200 tags, which Utah uses 200 tags, that's why it comes up a lot in the discussions. But in Arizona, that is far less than 1% of the tags. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's just a very, very, very extremely small number. So if we wound up with 100 or 150, uh, it, it's, it's really, in my opinion, it's, it's such a small number that I am not concerned personally about the loss of those tags to the general public. Now, on the other hand, if you establish, say, 70-80% of those tags as raffle tags, and those, those uh, raffle t tickets are 5 bucks a piece, 7 bucks a piece, whatever that number may be, very low, that's less than it take, you know, the amount that you currently have to apply for in application fees. So it's, it would be a way for us to, to raise a, a, a serious amount of money on the back of people willing to take a chance on a very low-cost raffle tag. To me, that's, that's a wonderful thing. Obviously, the chance of getting these is not spectacular because I anticipate a lot of people will, will um, try to buy them. But the simple fact is we can raise a sizable amount of money. And you'd be looking at tags across the board. I mean, I, I have some family members. The only thing they look forward to each year is their cow elk hunt. And we would have cow elk hunts in uh, tags in there. You know, it would have everything. It would have turkey tags. It would have, we envision it all. Would there be a, uh, a elk tags and um, or early rifle elk tags or archery tags or or even a sheep tag? Probably. Would the numbers be small? Extremely. Yes. But and, those, and would those tags be? I'm sorry, to interrupt. Would those tags? Okay. Would you work directly with the game and fish? and with the management professionals to determine those tags and, and work hand-in-hand -hand with, with them on figuring what tags would be best? Absolutely. You know, you, you, we couldn't exceed the number of tags that, that would be allowed under the Arizona Game and Fish Department guidelines. So they're going to come from the tags that are available. There's no question about that. These wouldn't be additional tags. The other thing that people really need to understand is we're not creating the special commissioner's tags. Those are the th tags that are for 365 days. 
those that they sell at auction for you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about tags from the general hunts that the department already recommends. Um, there's some discussion about tweaking those and, and giving an ex, some extra few extra days here or maybe a week and those kind of things. That's all up for discussion and for decision making down the road. We're not even to that point. We're to a point where we're just trying to get the sportsmen to embrace a program of these special uh, auction tags and an incredibly limited number of, of auction tags if, if, that, if it goes that far um, that would be, again, for the regular hunt seasons or maybe an extra week. They're nothing like the special commissioner's 365-day tags. But they are going to have value, and people are going to want them. And they will be priced at, at, at an, a number that people can afford them. And that will give us the number uh, of dollars that we need to institute a program of advertising and educating the public. So we see it working. Again, other states have done this. Um, it's, it's something that if we don't try it here, then I don't know where the other money comes from. Uh, it's going to be, again, one of those last minute, we have a crisis, we've got to raise it or we'll lose it, and that's something I don't want to see sportsmen suffer again here in Arizona because ultimately you never do a good job and you always stand a higher chance of losing whatever it is that you're facing. So, Pete, these funds, um, let's say this goes through, these funds, how can the sportsmen guarantee, how can they be guaranteed that this money would be in a separate account? There's no way it could be swept into the general fund. There's no way that it could go for anything else other than educating the public for exactly what this purpose is for. We're looking right now at the same process that we used when the original uh, special commissioner's tags were uh, started and following that the Arizona Big Game Super Raffle tags and how that was put together. It, it involved legislation. Uh, it was one of those things where the, uh, everything was spelled out so that there was a very reasonable expectation that it wasn't going to change. And between legislation and commission rule, uh, we ought to be able to put something in place that's, that's you know, ironclad that sportsmen can take um, comfort in that they are going to get what they believe they helped to establish, plain and simple. Pete, we already have, you mentioned the commissioner's tag, you mentioned the super raffle. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that money is HPC money that's set aside for habitat improvement projects for the wildlife in the state of Arizona. That is going to be separate from what you're talking about. So in other words, there'll be an education, for lack of better, education fund over here. There'll be the habitat fund over here. You will still do the Arizona Super Big Game Raffle. You will still have the commissioner's tags. And what you're proposing is a separate raffle. And what I hear you saying is, let's say, like a 12B late Kayabab tag the season's you know, nine days long, there, there could possibly be a tag that goes out of the general pool for that hunt and those hunt dates for a specific raffle tag over on this side 
that the money would then go into the education fund. So it, let's just use numbers. If there's 100 tags, uh, one of those tags would be over here, and that would be a raffle tag, five, seven, eight, whatever the number is. Um, and then potentially there could also be an auction tag either in that unit or one of the surrounding units, and that would be an auction tag that would be during those same hunt dates uh, but you're also saying that it's been talked about and you want to discuss, you know, maybe you give the person two weeks instead of one week. Um, your goal would be to be trying to make them as appealing as possible to raise as much money but have as little effect on the wildlife and the management um, that's already been in place, correct? That's exactly it. That is, uh, that's the key to this whole thing. Um, you know, the department sells, as we know, thousands of tags every year. And it's, uh, it's a great revenue maker for the agency and all the things they need to do. This is just an extension of that. Now, the marketing of these and the, the way you craft them for, for sale is important. And like, say, giving somebody some extra, an extra few days here or there, something like that, is a big incentive for most people. Because as you know, these shorts are these, uh, Hunts here in Arizona are a very short time frame. So unless you're talking a sheep hunt for a, you know the month of December, other than that, it, they are all, all very short. And if you had an extra week, it, it's a big thing. And uh, there's probably a lot of us that would be willing to pay an extra $5 ticket or whatever it may be for that. Or there's going to be a few uh, hunters who would even pay a little more for an auction permit that had some uh, time attached to it. So it's an incentive, just like you said. That's correct. It, I have no what doubt it say, works. <laughs> what would you say to the people that say, why don't you just introduce, you know, like you've heard of habitat stamps and license plates and some of that where you've got a 10 or $20 stamp purchased by each license hunter, you know, to raise more money. What would be your response to that person that's trying to say, Rather than take tags out of the general pool, let's just make all hunters pay ten or twenty dollars for a, for you know a stamp. Right. Um, a stamp is an added tax. I mean, that's really what it is. And you can name you can designate it for whatever purpose you want, but it raises the cost of hunting. It raises the cost of your license, tag, application fees, all of that stuff. And that's one of the things the department really does not want to do. Their license simplification was designed to lower the cost and make it easier for people to hunt fish, etc. So we really don't want to go down that road. The other thing is, um, if you look at the, the number of hunters and the number of applications, uh, you, you're probably not going to get where you want to go over a period of time um, with uh, dollars raised on, on something like that. It's going to be, um, I think you would be surprised at how much more people will spend for the $5 raffle tag than they would have to, to contribute just to a $10 stamp or fee. And we'll raise more money with the raffle than we would off those stamps. So to keep it simple for those people who want to hunt small game, want to hunt birds, don't care about big game, those kind of things, um, let's, let's just stay away from raising the fees and, and, and on tags, applications, or a stamp. Let's stay away from that and put it on the back of the, of the hunter who wants to go out 
and and hunt the game because that's that's where you're where you're going to raise more money, plain and simple. Pete, I know you've got a tight timeline. I know you've got to get down to that Arizona uh, Desert Bighorn Sheep uh, meeting ahead of time. We're running on a real tight schedule here. I, I kind of want to finish with a couple of series of questions. For those people that feel like they lost a lot of trust from the 2012 deal, what would you say specifically to those people um, exactly? What would you say to them? Well, this is an entirely different time, a totally different organization with a different outlook on this whole process. We're making it part of the public process. We're making it this is as transparent as you can do it. There's no direct benefit to us whatsoever. This is going to uh, uh, this is our effort to try to put up something in place that long term will fill a critical need for sportsmen and. Uh, any, anything we do as a um, nonprofit, which we are, we're a 501c4 nonprofit organization. Anything we do, we're going to do out front where people can watch, listen, and participate in what it is we're doing. You, we're probably not always going to agree, but we're going to be as transparent as possible. And it's people that have been in the sporting community in Arizona forever. Uh, and we're supported by a lot of good organizations. And I, let me let me touch on that for just a second. Um, when we started an effort to try to defend against the Humane Society with their their Wildcat initiative, um, a handful of us got together, and we went to the people that we absolutely are we've been members of forever and we're involved with and I'm going to name them because I want to credit them for, for the work they did because we went for them with our hand out and said hey we, we need some money and these groups contributed the Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society the Arizona Elk Society the Arizona Deer Association the Arizona Antelope Foundation Yuma Valley Rod and Gun Club Arizona Bow Hunters Association and the Arizona chapter of the National Wild Turkey Federation and also we had some houndsmen and women step forward and contribute that gave us the funds we needed to defeat the Humane Society right there those people are still with us working on going forward they recognize as we do that this is going to be an ongoing effort none of them have endorsed a special tag program we haven't asked them to do that because we don't have one final yet we don't have one that we can hand to anybody and say this is what we're doing this is a concept that we're developing with sportsmen with the sportsman conservation organizations with the commission with the department basically with all the stakeholders and once we have that done and we have something to go forward with, then we will ask for their endorsement and everybody else's endorsement of this plan. It will be a collaborative effort. But right now they are supporting our effort to solicit input from everybody and basically bring it together and try to come up with a final product. So I appreciate the fact that all of those groups, as well as others that, are, that I haven't mentioned, are participating and trying to help us do something so that in the future we're not going to always come up against this last minute, never prepared, don't have enough money routine that's, that, that we always face as sportsmen and political issues. 
Pete, I want to thank you for your time. I know there's more discussion that we'll probably have to have down the road. Um, I, I want you to tell the people listening uh, how they can get A, involved, uh, B, informed, and how you know, you're wanting to make this uh, as open and as transparent as possible. How can they help? Uh, how can they voice their concerns? Uh, you know, w what do they need to do? Uh, so that they feel like they're a part of this as far as getting all of the information and, you know, feeling very educated and informed to be able to make decisions, what would you tell them? Well, the way to get in touch with us or raise questions, concerns, uh, find out any information is to go to our website. Uh, that is info at conserveandprotectaz.org. I'll repeat it. Info at conserve and protect Arizona, just az dot org. That's the way to reach out to us and get in touch with us. Right now, we're in the process of transitioning over. Everything on that website was basically put there to fight the campaign against the Humane Society. So we're just beginning to transition everything now. And you're going to see a change in that over the next week or 10 days. And it will evolve into what we call our going forward move, which is everything to put in place to protect us in the future. So that's what we're involved in right now. But we monitor that site. It's monitored daily. And uh, it's, it's easy to get in touch with us. And you will, if you contact us, you will receive uh, confirmation back. And we will answer your questions or do whatever it is that you need to, to, uh, to know. So that's the way to do it. And as far as future meetings uh, or future opportunities for them to hear more about it, certainly we're going to try and get as much information through my channels, through the podcast and what have you, to have an informed public. But um, will you guys be starting a Facebook page or anything where you can be announcing where uh, you know, the, the sportsmen out there can come and, and hear more about uh, what you've got going. Yes, that's the other thing. Uh, right now, um, it's a, a situation where we're working in collaboration with Arizona Sportsmen for Wildlife Conservation. Uh, they have been doing a lot. They did a lot of work on the HSUS campaign for us. They monitored a lot of the things that are going on with our uh, with the Humane Society and their Arizona's for Wildlife group, and a lot of dialogue. Uh, we will also shift that into uh, conserve and protect Arizona as well. And we'll still work with and through them, but we will also be in that. We recognize that social media is absolutely critical. Uh, we knew last night when your podcast went live that uh, the firestorm would begin, so to speak, because people are, are going to hear about this for the first time. And they're go it's going to raise all kinds of issues and concerns particularly with the, the issue back in 2012, and that we would have to separate ourselves from that and uh, earn the trust of uh, Arizona sportsmen going forward. We don't know how to do it any other way than what we're doing right now. We appreciate the fact that you are working to help us get that word out. And we welcome that. Um, we're not we are looking for the light of day. We don't want to be in the dark room anywhere doing anything. The bottom line is we are volunteer sportsmen working for other sportsmen and wildlife. We 
fully support professional wildlife management and our commission system in Arizona. We will work with those entities to ensure that you and your family and your kids in the future, everybody continues to hunt fish in Arizona. As much as we can do it, that's what we're after, and that is the only thing we're after. And we're not asking for a thing other than your support, plain and simple. If you want to contribute, you can do that too. We, that helps. But bottom line is support what we're doing. Get involved. Pete, I want to thank you for your time. I know you got to get off to that meeting. Uh, thanks for coming on and sharing with us. I'm going to try and turn this around as quickly as possible to get it out there to folks so they can uh, hear the information. And I uh, just appreciate uh, you spending time here with us. Thanks, Jay. Really appreciate it, man.